Hello and welcome. This is Melissa Giles, Portfolio Manager with Americana Partners. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'll be reviewing the March market commentary provided by David M. Darst, Chief Investment Officer with Americana Partners. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. The first section I will be covering is called Where We Are. Please note that any charts or graphics referenced are available by request through our website. Let's begin. Composed in both languages in 1972 by Antonio Carlos Jobim, 1927-1994, The Waters of March in Portuguese Aguas de Marçu was voted the single greatest Brazilian song of all time in a poll of more than 200 Brazilian journalists, musicians, and other artists conducted by Brazil's leading daily newspaper, Folha de São Paulo. In many ways, like the aleatory, unplanned nature of modern economic, financial, technological, and political life, the lyrics do not tell a story. Rather, they present a series of images that form a collage. Nearly every line starts with E. It is. All these details swirling around the reflective, central metaphor of the cascading waters of March convey the passing of daily existence, ultimately affirming the promise of life the joy in your heart, and the promise of spring, which investors in the Northern Hemisphere now contemplate and anticipate with the approach on March 20th and 21st of the vernal equinox, the first meteorological day of spring. Even though it is the shortest month of the calendar year, February was by no means been lacking in significant developments. Data cited in the original commentary is from the Wall Street Journal. 1. Led by the small and mid-cap Russell 2000 index, which gained positive 6.1% after rising positive 5% in January, U.S. equities rose with the S&P 500 up positive 2.6% after declining negative 1.1% in January, and the Nasdaq composite advancing positive 1.4% after January's positive 0.9% increase. Following a strong start to the beginning of February, stocks then entered a period of up and down sideways price movements beginning in the second half of the month after a rapid rise in bond yields sparked worries about higher inflation. 2. Reflecting a gradually improving tone to global business activity, the MSCI Emerging Markets Equity Index gained positive 0.7% after rising positive 3.0% in January through March 10th the index was positive 2.1% year-to-date. 3. U.S. Treasury yields exhibited a rising trend from the close on January 29th to the close on February 26th, with the two-year maturity increasing three basis points from 0.11% to 0.14%, the 10-year notes increasing a not insubstantial 33 basis points from 1.11% to 1.44%, and the 30-year bonds increasing an equally meaningful 30 basis points from 1.87% to 2.17%. Since the end of February, Treasury yields have risen further as of the close on March 10th to 0.16% for the 2-year, to 1.53% for the 10-year, and 2.24% for the 30-year. Four. Used widely in the transmission of renewable and conventional electricity in housing and in vehicle manufacturing, and thus often viewed as a barometer and precursor of business activity, copper, as shown in the original commentary, gained 15.1% in February to $4.0925 per pound after rising positive 1.1% in January, and nearby COMEX copper futures were $4.0930 per pound at the close of trading on March 8th. 5. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil Futures rose positive 17.8% to $61.50 per barrel, building on January's gain of positive 7.6%, with a closing price reaching $64.01 on March 9th. 6. In part pressured by competition from rising interest rates, Gold fell negative 5.9% to end the month at $1,734.78 per troy ounce after declining negative 2.9% in January, and silver closed the month down negative 1.2% at $26.68 per troy ounce after gaining positive 2.4% in January. 
gold prices declined further in March, closing at $1,716.60 per troy ounce on March 9th. And partly due to the fact that roughly 50% of silver demand is for industrial usage, and thus tending to be supported by an expanding economy, silver prices have held up relatively better, closing at $26.19 per troy ounce on March 9th, and 7. The price of Bitcoin rose positive 31.5% to $45,137.77 to end February. After gaining positive 18.3% in January and at the close of March 9th, reached $56,201.27. Now let's discuss the investment outlook, the constructive elements. With some degree of caution in the near term, we remain essentially constructive on the U.S. equity market outlook owing to 1. Continued levels of meaningful monetary policy support in the form of A. Supportive job creation language from the Federal Reserve Board Chair Jerome Powell and several other Fed governors. B. Ultra-low short-term interest rates. And C. The ongoing program of money printing, quantitative easing, by the Fed to purchase $120 billion per month of U.S. Treasury and mortgage-backed securities. 2. Substantial fiscal stimulus by the U.S. government, with a $1.9 trillion relief bill having passed the House of Representatives by a vote of 219 to 209 on Saturday, February 27th. And another House vote took place on Wednesday, March 10th, and passed 220 to 211 after the Senate had made changes to the bill. With the objective of sending the measure to President Biden's desk for signature before the March 14th expiration of $300 per week unemployment insurance enhancement and programs extending jobless benefits to millions more Americans. Three, after the Food and Drug Administration's emergency use safety and efficacy approvals, the vaccines of Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, Merck is dedicating two of its facilities to speed up production of the Johnson & Johnson vaccines, are accelerating the pace of the coronavirus vaccine's rollout. The Biden administration projects that sufficient quantities of the vaccine will be available for administration to all U.S. adults by the end of May. As of March 9th, 18.1% of the population had received at least one dose, and 9.1% of the population had received the two vaccinations required in the two-dose regime. 4. Based on expectations that the U.S. economy can decouple from the coronavirus through the vaccines program, economists now predict considerable pent-up demand for household consumption in the latter half of the year, with U.S. 2021 GDP likely to meet or even substantially exceed the positive 5.1% forecast of the International Monetary Fund, raised from positive 3.1% on January 26th and following a negative 3.4% decline in U.S. real GDP in 2020. With the improving economic outlook, as of March 8th, the Atlanta Federal Reserve's model-driven GDP Now estimate of economic growth registered a positive 8.4% annualized rate of gain in first quarter 2021 U.S. real GDP paced by, among other factors, a. February's ISM Manufacturing Index reading of 60.8 versus 58.7 in January, with readings above 50 indicating expansion, the highest in three years, with the prices paid component of the index reaching a highest in 13 years, 86.0 versus 82.1 in January. B. February's ISM Services Index reading of 55.3 versus 58.7 in January, which itself was the highest reading in two years. C. Aided by the easing of stay-in-place restrictions and by fiscal stimulus measures, the employment market has continued to recover. After job losses of negative 306,000 in December, an increase of positive 166,000 jobs in January, and February's jobs gains of positive 379,000, with the unemployment rate dropping from 6.7% in December to 6.3% in January and to 6.2% in February, as new claims for jobless benefits, a proxy for layoffs, have continued to trace an essentially downward path from weekly levels exceeding 900,000 in January. D. Following November's negative 1.1% and December's negative 0.7% lackluster results, January's $600 stimulus check-driven retail sales rose positive 5.3%, positive 
positive 7.4% year-over-year, with gains in every major category of spending including food and drinking establishments. Also in January, personal income rose positive 10% and a comprehensive measure of personal consumption rose positive 2.0%. E. Supported by historically low mortgage interest rates, housing market strength has been exhibited across a wide range of locations and price points, representing a substantial shift from the second half of 2020, when demand was essentially most robust among millennial buyers. F. January registered a positive 0.5% widespread gain in the Conference Board's 10-component Lead Economic Indicators Index, producing a positive 5.1% gain for the six-month period ending January 2021, roughly a positive 10.6% annual rate, a meaningful reversal from the decline of negative 6.3%, roughly a negative 12.3% annual rate, over the prior six-month period ending July 2020, and G. January produced a positive 3.4% gain in the durable goods orders, the ninth consecutive monthly gain, following upticks of positive 1.2% in December and positive 1.3% in November, with orders now surpassing pre-pandemic levels up positive 3.5% from a year earlier. 5. High Corporate, Federal Government, and Household Cash Balances Even before the recent Treasury distribution of $600 checks, not to mention the administration's new round of checks, personal savings are more than $1.5 trillion higher than pre-pandemic levels. 6. Further Healthy Equity Sector and Style Rotation including growth to value, large cap to small and mid cap, defensives to cyclicals, and U.S. domestic to international. We view such broadening out of the main drivers of the indices as evidence of more balanced potential market strength, in contrast to how in 2020 only three stocks, Apple, positive 80%, Amazon, positive 76%, and Microsoft, positive 41%, accounted for more than half of the S&P's positive 16.3% total price gain, and without just the top 24 largest cap companies heavily represented by technology, social media, and digital services, the S&P 500 would have actually experienced a negative price return in 2020 and 7. As of March 5th, according to FactSet, Building upon analysts' bottom-up expectations of surprisingly solid S&P 500, year-over-year revenue gains of positive 3.2%, and earnings gains of positive 4.0% in fourth quarter 2020, thus producing a full-year 2020 decline in S&P 500 revenue of negative 0.8% and a decline in earnings of negative 11.2%. Growth rates are projected as follows. For first quarter 2021, Revenue growth of positive 6.1% and earnings growth of positive 21.8%. For second quarter 2021, revenue growth of positive 16.2% and earnings growth of positive 50.0%. For third quarter 2021, revenue growth of positive 9.8% and earnings growth of positive 17.3%. For fourth quarter 2021, revenue growth of positive 7.1% and earnings growth of positive 13.3%. And for full year 2021, revenue growth of positive 9.2% and earnings growth of positive 24.2%. Now let's discuss the investment outlook, the worrisome elements. At the same time, given widespread investor bullishness, elevated valuations of stocks and especially bonds, and numerous instances of broadening speculative activity, in call options buying, historically elevated securities margin debt, cryptocurrency infatuation, heightened household equity trading participation and IPO volume, fully half of which in 2020 was for 248 blank check companies, also known as Special Purpose Acquisition Companies or SPACs, raising $83 billion, followed by 226 more SPACs, raising $73 billion, on a year-to-date basis through March 8th. We feel it is prudent to be prepared for heightened volatility and one or more equity market corrections during the course of this year. In the remaining months of 2021, investors need to keep in mind what can go askew at the same time as they are considering optimistic scenarios. 
including among the potential factors that could derail advancing equity prices are 1. Driven by a. Large U.S. Treasury debt issuance in the face of b. Potentially waning foreign and domestic institutional and individual investor demand and c. The possibility of substantially rising inflation expectations. In February's consumer price index increasing positive 0.4% versus January and positive 1.7% from a year earlier, interest rates could exhibit disorderly and faster-than-expected increases. 2. Pandemic setbacks, including coronavirus mutations and or decisions not to be vaccinated by a sufficiently large portion of the population, could possibly lead to renewed economic lockdowns. 3. Lawmakers could pass more burdensome than anticipated tax increases, with uncertainty as to whether any or all of such higher imposts would be retroactive to January 1, 2021. 4. Serious deterioration could occur in the already reasonably fraught state of U.S.-China relations, with the potential for harmful effects on capital flows, trade patterns and technology, agriculture and consumer goods, intellectual property protection, supply chain dynamics, and cybersecurity reliability, among other elements of the bilateral relations between the two nations. 5. Any disappointing evolution that could unfold relating to prominent companies' reported profits, the earnings outlook, and or unfavorable developments on the regulatory fronts, with particular focus on antitrust issues, privacy laws, anti-competitive business practices, search manipulation, and taxation, especially for highly valued bellwether technology and social media companies. Six, a number of equity valuation metrics are at or near their all-time highs. A prominent example is the cyclically adjusted price-earnings ratio, also known as the CAPE ratio or the Schiller ratio, named after its creator, 2013 Nobel Economics Laureate Yale Professor Robert Schiller. Calculated by dividing prices not by one year's trailing or forward earnings, but by the average of the past 10 years' inflation-adjusted earnings. As of March 9th, the current reading for the CAPE ratio at 35.32 was 110.4% above the CAPE ratio's long-term median reading of 16.79, and with only one exception in December 1999 when it reached 44.19, the highest it has been in the 140-year history of this data series. Several other valuation measures, including forward and trailing price-earnings ratios and total equity market capitalization to GDP ratios, are quite extended and may not offer much support in the face of any unpleasant surprises on the geopolitical front, setbacks in economic and or corporate profits momentum, occurrences of seriously dysfunctional political discord, and especially inflation due to its influence on interest rates. And seven, Episodes of geopolitically driven turbulence could cause significant upward or downward moves in the global currency and or energy markets. While we do not foresee either of such scenarios at this point, past history has shown that meaningful foreign exchange market instability or major crude oil price volatility can exert short-term downward pressure on bond yields as investors seek safe havens and on equity prices. Now let's discuss the inflation outlook. In recent weeks, concerns have arisen with some degree of persistence in financial markets about a rising inflation rate, potentially causing interest rates to continue increasing from year-to-date gains thus far, putting downward pressure on bond prices and causing stocks price earnings multiples to contract, particularly for high PE leaders in the technology and global social media space. These fears have surfaced even though many of the classical conditions of inflationary periods have not yet been present. Tight job markets, high manufacturing capacity utilization rates, rising prices for a broad range of goods and services, a continuously depreciating U.S. dollar, and widespread public anticipation of rising prices. Over the past several years, despite episodic crying wolf worries in some quarters about inflation being likely to occur due to excessive monetary creation, massive fiscal stimulus programs, and other factors, the Federal Reserve Board has been repeatedly unable to keep inflation in the U.S. consumer price level on a sustained basis at and above its 2.0% stated target. On a year-to-date basis, 
from February's 2020's positive 2.3% 12-month change in the headline consumer price index, February 2021 registered positive 1.7% and the core consumer price inflation measure, excluding the more capricious energy and food categories, was positive 1.3%, among the lowest in 10 years. Set forth are some of the principal factors that are likely to influence financial markets' expectations and the reality of higher inflation, or, on the other hand, of muted or lower inflation. Now let's discuss higher inflation factors. Some of the forces and factors arguing for higher inflation include a trifecta of what is considered to be a. Excessive fiscal stimulus b. Excessive monetary stimulus and c. The unleashing of pent-up demand. 1. After the so-called base effects brought about as last year's low and negative inflation numbers drop out of each month's 2021 versus 2020 year-over-year calculations. Inflation measures for such categories as shelter, healthcare, and numerous other goods and services are very likely to rise, and depending on the magnitude and efficacy of the forces that we discuss in the higher and lower inflation argument sections, Arguments can be made on both sides of the question as to whether such price increases are sustainable or merely temporary. 2. Whereas the $831 billion stimulus package introduced in 2009-2010 during the Great Recession represented roughly 50% of the gap between the nation's GDP and its potential output, the aggregate COVID-19 pandemic stimulus package of 2020 to 2021 works out to roughly 300% of the country's output gap. 3. From the end of 2019 through the end of third quarter 2020, the latest figures available from the Federal Reserve flow of funds data, total household net worth rose by 5.2 trillion, with 2.3 trillion of the increase representing a surge in bank deposits, money market fund shares, and other liquid assets such as cash accounts at securities brokerage firms, with first quarter 2021 real GDP growth estimated to be somewhere between positive 8.0% and positive 9.0% annualized, and several private sector economists recently revising upward their full-year 2021 U.S. real GDP growth forecasts to exceed positive 6.0% or even positive 7.0%. It is possible that the $1.6 trillion in additional pandemic-induced savings on household balance sheets, combined with the $900 billion of stimulus passed by Congress in December, plus the $1.9 trillion of relief passed by the nation's lawmakers on March 10th, could spark massive pent-up consumption demand and set off higher-than-anticipated inflation. With the St. Louis Federal Reserve's chart shown in the original commentary, that the past 12 months have witnessed a massive spike exceeding $3 trillion in the year-over-year growth of all commercial banks, aggregate deposits from household, corporate, government, and other sources. 4. Taking heed of the famous pronouncement of the eminent 1976 Nobel economics laureate Milton Friedman, 1912-2006, to that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon in the sense that it is and can be produced only by a more rapid increase in the quantity of money than in output. Monetary theorists maintain that the high year-over-year growth rates in M1, positive 72% through January, and M2, positive 27% through January, will, as depressed monetary velocity picks up, unleash inflationary forces throughout the U.S. economy and on a worldwide basis. J.P. Morgan Asset Management estimates that the combined central bank and government stimulus measures have already totaled over $20 trillion in 2020, more than one-fifth of global economic output. 5. Even as expectations for inflation in the time interval between 5 years from the present and 10 years from the present have declined somewhat, financial market participants are expecting a pickup in the expected consumer price inflation rate over the next five years, as measured by the increase from the 0.14% level at the depths of the early pandemic fears in first quarter 2020 to a highest since April 2011, 2.43% yield difference as of March 2nd between conventional five-year U.S. Treasury securities and five-year tips 
inflation-protected U.S. Treasury securities, as shown in the chart in the original commentary. 6. Pandemic-related issues and reoriented geopolitical and tariff trade relationships with several key U.S. trading partners have led to a higher cost reshoring abnormal inventory-to-sales ratios depicted in the chart in the original commentary. The global supply chain disruptions putting upward pressure on the costs of maritime shipping, trucking, and other transportation services, as well as the prices of a wide range of raw materials and finished goods, including semiconductors, steel, soybeans, copper, crude oil, corn, industrial metals, aluminum, and lumber, the latter of which is highlighted in the chart in the original commentary. And seven, after exhibiting growth for several decades, U.S. indebtedness to the rest of the world exceeded 50% of the nation's GDP in 2019, a level that for other countries have often foretold an impending currency crisis as creditors begin to lose confidence over the borrower's ability to service its debt on a timely basis. In 2020, heavy government borrowing caused those liabilities to reach 67% of GDP and significant incremental indebtedness is being incurred in 2021. According to the Wall Street Journal, the new debt to foreign plus domestic creditors will exceed $4 trillion, at some point potentially causing a sufficient degree of currency weakness to ignite inflationary price increases. Now let's discuss muted or lower inflation factors. Some of the forces and factors arguing for muted or lower inflation include 1. Following the U.S. economy's pandemic-induced contraction in 2020, a substantial number of businesses, commercial real estate properties, and workers remain underutilized or idle, perhaps indicating that any first-half 2021 increases in inflation may represent more of a burst of transitory inflation rather than a durable shift in the inflation trend leading to an unmooring of inflation expectations to the upside. 2. The fact that even as the December 2019 unemployment rate had already fallen to 3.5%, the lowest in 51 years since 1969, just prior to the COVID-19 pandemic beginning to hit the United States in first quarter 2020, upward pressures on inflation were not even then appearing to materialize. 3. Globalization, automation, and declining levels of private sector unionization have weakened workers' ability to raise wages. 4. Dramatic technological innovation in computing, software, semiconductors, electronic commerce, communications, data storage, and DNA sequencing, among other sectors, have conclusively increased productivity and led to multi-year sharply downward-sloping price curves. 5. Demographic forces, including declining fertility rates, lower aggregate births, and aging populations have exerted persistently downward pressure on potential economic growth. And six, years of low inflation, lowered inflation expectations, and ultra-low interest rates have created a tendency for many companies and workers to psychologically factor lower inflation into their pricing behavior and wage demands, even during recent periods cycles of economic advancement. After taking all of the factors into consideration, our current view is that inflation is likely to continue moving somewhat higher from current levels, putting some degree of pressure on interest rates with investment implications as reflected in the portfolio positioning sections that we will discuss. Now let's discuss the outlook for gold. As can be seen in the chart in the original commentary, gold prices have essentially traced out a six-year base until their significant breakout in June 2019, which we believe signaled the beginning of a leadership change towards inflation-sensitive and cyclical sectors. The precious yellow metal gold, not subject to oxidation or corrosion, with 79 protons in its nucleus and an atomic weight of 196.96, was termed a barbarous relic by the eminent British economist John Maynard Keynes, 1883-19. to Gold has many fervent fans and numerous equally passionate skeptics. Building upon and updating the analysis of gold contained in the Art of Asset Allocation, 2nd edition, selected bullish and bearish views are set forth. Bullish views of gold. 
One, for centuries, the intrinsic value of gold has been widely accepted due to its rarity, beauty, durability, indestructibility, malleability, ductility, portability, divisibility, and anonymity. Two, unlike many managed paper currency systems, fiat money, gold has a slowly changing and relatively inelastic supply. One reason why many central banks own and or purchase gold. 15% of gold demand in 2019 came from central bank purchases is to enhance perceptions that their country's currency is at least partially anchored in a real asset. Gold is considered to be the only monetary asset that is not the liability of another party, as the renowned financier John Pierpoint Morgan, 1837-1913, is reputed to have stated gold is money, everything else is credit. 3. During many previous periods of excessive inflation, environmental catastrophe, financial markets turmoil, deflationary shock, monetary system failure, geopolitical instability, military action, or a breakdown in societal order and confidence, gold has been viewed as a form of insurance protection and refuge. Four, over sufficiently long periods of time, gold has tended to retain its purchasing power compared to the cost of fundamental human needs such as food, shelter, and clothing. And five, gold has generally, though not always, exhibited negative or very low correlations of returns with almost all other asset classes, thus appealing to some investors as a form of a hedge against unfavorable movements in financial assets. Now let's discuss bearish views of gold. 1. Physical gold has no yield, trades in relatively low volume and at times in illiquid markets, is cumbersome to transport in large quantities, may incur costs of assay, custody, taxation, segregation, and insurance, and may be difficult to access in unsettled conditions. 2. Partially owing to its reputation as a controversial anti-establishment asset, gold may be subject to governmental confiscation through the sealing of safety deposit boxes and other measures, the declaration of gold payment classes as unenforceable, and government's arbitrary fixing of gold prices. 3. For substantial intervals during eras of financial and geopolitical stability, gold prices may move essentially within a mean reverting band, influenced by the level of real interest rates the demand for jewelry, industrial uses, and identified bar hoarding, and sources of supply, including new discoveries, production, forward sales, and hedging by gold mining companies, gold scrap recycling, and central bank purchases, sales, and gold lending activity. 4. Although gold as an asset may be considered a conservative investment, Some segments of the global physical and derivatives gold-based markets have at times been considered to lack sufficient regulation and have been thought to include speculative and momentum-based traders, promoters, conspiracy theorists, and dogmatic participants whose views may lack objectivity. 5. Due to their effectively embedded option component linked to potential movements in gold prices, Gold mining shares have substantially leveraged exposure to changes in the gold price, may at times be expensively valued, and may sometimes be difficult to assess using conventional methods. And six, in today's technologically driven age, in which the physical world is increasingly shaped and managed by a separate digital world, digital gold in the form of cryptocurrencies has come to be considered by a growing number of investors as a valid competitor to gold, potentially drawing investor interest and demand away from the physical metal to instead emphasize digital currencies. Gold price gains in recent years have been driven by limited levels of investment competition from declining, ultra-low, and, in a meaningful number of cases, negative interest rates, a growing degree of investor distrust in massive money printing by the U.S. Federal Reserve and several of the world's other major central banks, and haven demand by investors seeking protection during episodes of perceived systemic fragility and geopolitical instability. Owing to expectations of growing inflationary trends over the intermediate term, our view continues to be that 
despite one, growing enthusiasm for cryptocurrencies, and two, the year-to-date through March 8th, negative 9.3% price weakness in front-month futures for the physical metal and the year-to-date through March 9th, negative 10.3% decline in the NYSE ARCA Gold Miners Index, gold and or high-quality gold mining shares deserve serious consideration and a legitimate place in investment portfolios, with a specific percentage allocation determined by the investor's motivations, fears, amounts to invest, objectives, and personal circumstances. The objective of gold ownership is to defend the investor's monetary purchasing power over the intermediate and long-term against excessive money creation, monetary debasement, and currency depreciation, rather than to achieve income generation, medical breakthroughs, renewable energy innovations, technological advancement, or powerful brand positioning, which, after all, represent the primary function of investment in financial assets. The dollar has exhibited weakness over the past several months on the expectation that the Fed would remain the most aggressively dovish global central bank. But Fed Chair Powell's lack of commentary on March 4th and in previous remarks to House and Senate committees concerning the evolution of U.S. Treasury yields is further inciting near-term concerns that the Fed may be slowly moving away from its dovish tendencies, and that has led to the dollar rallying, which in the near term has placed further downward pressure on the gold price. On a short-term basis, even though gold has recently shown signs of potentially bottoming near key technical support levels, the path of least resistance appears to us to indicate a higher dollar and lower price for gold as gold futures have continued to test these technical price points. Until investors see some sustainable relief from the spike in yields and the rallying dollar, such a scenario is likely to remain the case and gold could remain under near-term pressure. In our opinion, In addition to seeking the objective of financial gain, an important rationale for having gold in portfolios may be to provide a psychological anchor in periods of heightened uncertainty and financial market volatility. Stemming from gold's long-term store of value characteristics and perceptions that it represents the currency of last resort. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning strategies. In the current rising interest rates environment and going forward, we continue to maintain that careful thought planning and attention needs to be devoted to the investor's most appropriate forms and vehicles for implementing the fundamental elements of asset allocation and investment strategy, which include 1. Diversification, which means having sustainably low and negatively correlated investment exposures that truly counterbalance price movements in other assets, particularly during times of great financial stress and or market volatility. 2. Rebalancing, which encompasses using concepts of reversion to the mean to trim exposures to assets that have grown to represent too large a portion of the overall portfolio, while at the same time adding exposure to high-quality assets that have fallen out of investor favor and suffered significant, though likely not permanent, price declines. 3. Risk management, which involves recognizing when markets become consumed by momentum plays and information overload, a situation that has pertained in recent months to numerous companies in the technology space, and understanding the degree of liquidity, the true pricing realism, and the various roles of short-term liquid securities, real assets, financial assets, and alternative assets in decades-long or longer regimes of inflation, stagflation, deflation, monetary disruptions, and currency resets. 4. Reinvestment, which encompasses knowing when to emphasize and trade off income versus capital growth, all the while keeping in mind the critical importance of discipline, patience, tax awareness, and longevity in capturing and compounding dividend, coupon, and other income flows. And 5. Asset protection and husbandry, which encompasses considerations of taxation at the state, local, federal and possibly international level, estate planning, relevant insurance design and structuring, cybersecurity shielding, portfolio monitoring and reporting, administrative costs, forms and means of access and custody. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning principles. We continue to counsel a considered and considerable exposure to equities with judicious shifts between styles, sectors, geographies, and where appropriate from a cost- timing, tax, liquidity, and size standpoint, public, 
versus private markets. Expressed are a number of themes that we believe should be taken into consideration over the next few years in selecting asset categories, asset classes, asset managers, sectors, companies, and security types. One, paying attention to the value of money, taking advantage of rather than being taken advantage of by the likelihood of money printing, internal and external currency debasement, government debt monetization, and the modern monetary theory approach that has begun to be pursued by the authorities within shifting money and credit cycles to service America's massive explicit government and corporate indebtedness and the enormous implicit obligations of pension and healthcare promises too. Concentrating on all weather sectors and companies, seeking investments with balance and flexibility that are able to thrive regardless of which political party controls the White House and or Congress, evolving environmental, social, and governance priorities and values, wealth distribution initiatives, public health conditions, and political trends. Three, distinguishing between temporary and permanent changes, focusing on the commercial and financial implications of new social and political power structures, alliances, and geopolitical relationships, new energy sources and resources, new trade patterns, new on- and offshoring channels, work-from-home and work-from-anywhere employment modalities, and new business models, pathways, digitalizations, and forms of person-to-person and business-to-business work, leisure, learning, and wellness. Four, taking advantage of demographic tailwinds through U.S. and select non-U.S. companies gaining exposure to and meeting the rising needs, aspirations, and spending power of the rapidly expanding global middle class, especially in Asia. Five, comprehending and verifying past success. Emphasizing companies and sectors that have demonstrated successful track records and past experience in capital allocation, balance sheet strength, risk management, sustainably defendable business models, and the ability to generate and sustain high multi-year returns on equity, derived from revenue growth and favorable margin preservation rather than through excessive leverage, meaningfully above the company's and sector's weighted average cost of capital, and six, identifying innovative and disruptive technology hegemons. Focusing on technology enablers, disruptors, and dominators in biotechnology, public health, artificial intelligence, data analytics, machine learning, 5G cellular network technology, the Internet of Things, infrastructure, robotics, quantum computing, battery inventions, alternative energy, electric vehicles, and cybersecurity, while also taking account of the environmental, social, and governance characteristics of companies in these fields. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning tactics. One, keeping things in perspective. Many of the overarching themes and conditions that influence our intermediate and long-term asset allocation and investment strategy emphasize the need to recognize that the concepts and implementation methods intended to achieve safety, balance, diversification, and liquidity are likely to face evolving taxation regimes, social priorities, geopolitical power relationships, price level changes, demographic trends, indebtedness levels, technological pervasiveness, and not least, the definition, role, degree of physicality, embodiment, and value of money itself. Two, flexibility versus conviction in formulating investment thinking. In seeking to determine when to adhere to and when to lean against prevailing consensus views, sometimes pejoratively referred to as groupthink, it is important to critically question the soundness and durability of the reasoning and assumptions underlying a given investment framework and positioning at any point in time. While it may not make sense to hold out of consensus views just for the sake of doing so, often expressed as don't fight the tape, at other times, especially at major cyclical or secular turning points, at a major asset top, when reality is finally found to fall short of overly optimistic expectations or a major asset bottom when reality is shown to be worth considerably more than the prevailing overly pessimistic expectations. The rewards of implementing a contrarian stance can be quite meaningful. Three, enhancing and preserving. While we confess to a continuing degree of unease over the spreading investor exuberance and the popularity of stocks and sectors considered to be 
Forever Holdings, our short-term inclination at this juncture is to take note of the Federal Reserve's ongoing support of financial asset prices while taking advantage of such strength to continue upgrading positions, offloading lower quality, higher risk assets, and with timing and price discipline, adding to attractively priced, higher quality assets on equity market pullbacks. Four, equity emphases and de-emphases. Particularly in the current conditions of historically low U.S. Treasury interest rates and given the likely focus areas of government spending initiatives, to us it appears likely that cash-generating, financially stable companies with robust growth prospects, which are able to operate and thrive in the digital sphere as they continue to enhance their business models, deserve to retain a valuation premium within equities. One, we recommend continuing to gradually shift emphasis from growth sectors, companies, and managers towards the inclusion of select value sectors, companies, and managers. Two, we continue to counsel modestly adding small and mid-cap companies or investment managers specializing in and with good track records in this space to our primary yet gradually lessening emphasis on large capitalization enterprises. And three, for the time being, while we continue to prefer a tactical overweighting to U.S. domestic equities with any pullbacks currently viewed as an opportunity to judiciously add equities, particularly those sectors and small and mid-cap companies likely to benefit from an economic recovery year-to-date through March 9th, the Russell 2000 index was positive 13.7%, meaningfully outperforming the S&P 500 index up positive 3.2%. While we also espouse building higher allocations to our positions in emerging market equities and developed international markets, such as Japan, year-to-date through March 9th, up positive 5.8% in local currency terms. 5. Focus on strength and quality. Our long-term equity portfolio weightings continue to emphasize asset managers, sectors, and specific companies that can benefit from the major sustained trends of the 2020 decade, including 1. Incremental growth in a wide range of economic circumstances. 2. A focus on economic repair, digitalization, e-commerce, personal wellness, safety, domesticity, home improvement, infrastructure spending, and where possible, the release of pent-up consumer demand, and three, advantageous capture of benefits from onshoring, supply chain redesign, and deglobalization as important drivers of capital spending and disruptive innovation. At the company level in equities, we emphasize identifying and building long-term exposure to firms possessing fortress-like cash-rich balance sheets, limited debt, positive free cash flow generation, dividend strength, and competitive business models that over a long time frame can generate high returns on equity. 6. Balancing Growth and Value Sectors Through Wednesday, March 10th, the iShares Russell 1000 Growth Index, including companies and sectors such as technology, healthcare, and communication services, had, according to the Wall Street Journal, returned negative 1.6% while the iShares Russell 1000 Value Index, including companies and sectors such as financial, real estate, energy, utility, and industrial businesses, had, according to the Wall Street Journal, returned positive 8.3%. This 9.9 percentage point value minus growth returns differential appears to argue for continuing the process of prudent reallocation from selected growth sectors, companies, and managers into selected value sectors, companies, and managers. As this process continues, it is worth keeping in mind that true value investing represents identifying assets that are trading for less than they are actually worth, not assets that are merely inexpensive. Many superficially inexpensive assets are inexpensive for a reason, and can very well remain so or deteriorate further. 7. Fixed Income Securities Bond prices remain at extremely elevated price levels, with ultra-low yields across the maturity spectrum, even though yields have risen somewhat since year-end 2020, with according to Bloomberg in mid-December, an astounding total of $18 trillion in global negative-yielding sovereign and some corporate debt outstanding. We affirm our preference for issuers at the high-quality end of the rating spectrum, both in investment grade and in high-yield bonds, in taxable bonds, and in tax-exempt bonds, 
where we continue to see some pockets of value on a taxable equivalent basis. We see fixed income securities as subject to price risk due to our expectation of further increases in yield levels as 2021 progresses, and thus we prefer maturities and durations along the short to intermediate portion of the yield curve spectrum. Eight, U.S. dollar outlook after declining negative 7.4% in 2017, appreciating positive 4.3% in 2018, marginally slipping negative 0.2% in 2019, and declining negative 5.1% in 2020, the DXY U.S. dollar index measured versus a basket of six major currencies, the euro, Japanese yen, Swedish krona, British pound, Canadian dollar, and Swiss franc, had, as of the market close on March 10th, appreciated positive 2.1% year-to-date in 2021. We believe the U.S. dollar may trace a gradual path of weakness as, due primarily to the Federal Reserve's stated preference for lower yields in the United States for the next 12 months or even longer, the U.S. dollar's relative income-generating advantage may begin to play a lesser role in the currency's path as this year unfolds and global investors become increasingly aware of the magnitude of the U.S. current account payments deficit and particularly the massive fiscal 2020 and 2021 federal government budget deficits. 9. Alternative Investments and Real Assets In alternative investments, we continue our multi-quarter focus that has for some time emphasized exposure to gold and or gold mining ETFs shares, particularly the miners, with reserves in stable geographic locations, capital discipline, and cash flow growth. As of January 21st, according to Sprott Asset Management, the NYSC ARCA Gold Miners Index traded at an enterprise value to earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization ratio of 7.81 times compared to the equal weighted S&P 500's ratio of 16.76 times, the widest spread in 10 years, high-quality, master-limited partnerships, with strong business models and sustainable dividend-paying capacity, select investments in private credit and private real estate, and opportunistic strategies that are positioned to selectively derive meaningful value from the dislocations created by the coronavirus pandemic and the economic and profits recovery that we expect in the year ahead. This concludes our March Market Commentary by David M. Darst. David is Americana Partners Chief Investment Officer. We are available to answer questions you may have regarding the topics discussed. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. Thank you for listening. This is Melissa Giles, Portfolio Manager with Americana Partners. Stay invested.